and welcome to Be Dead Source, your home for all the coconut recipes you could possibly want. My name's Nathan, your most loincloth host. My name is Andy, your most loquacious host. And I'm Pat, and I'm ready for survival skills. Yeah. People keep on telling me that Survivor is a good show, but I have not watched it. We we watch it. We like it. Wait, it's still going? Are, yeah. Are there new ones coming out? Yeah, it's the they're in their fortieth season right now. Fortieth season? Wow. Yep. Keep in mind for that they have multiple seasons yeah, two seasons per year. How many people have died? I don't believe anyone's died. No one's I don't died. Think anybody. I mean, they that's have, not a very good test of survivorship. Though. Well, they they have a medical. <laughs> they have a one hundred percent survival out. rate. They have a one hundred percent survival rate. I mean, that's not no. that's just not good television. Well, when they say survivor, what, what they what they mean, you see, is surviving the game of Survivor, not not actually literally living through the experience. Tomato, it's tomato. Just, oh. It's just a title of a game, yo. Anyway, uh, how's everybody doing? Uh, holding in there? Doing good. Surviving. <laughs> Speaking of Survivor, I went to Target today. Took my life in my own hands. Risky. What's wrong with that? I got some Swiss cake rolls. You might get breathed oh, on. Yeah, that's the thing. I wore a mask. I wore uh, rubber gloves. I did the whole the whole shemil and the whole shemazzle. Yeah. Haas and Pfeffer Incorporated. Uh... Caitlin and I made a, a pizza, like, from scratch, like, well, I guess we didn't milk the cows to make the cheese, but we, we made the pizza dough from scratch. Did you grow the tomatoes? Did you first invent the universe? Yes, that's what we did. Oh, a few years ago. Mm. Oh, good job. Yeah, thanks. <clears throat> yeah, so, yeah, we, um, we, we made the pizza dough from scratch, which was delicious. and. Awesome. I quite enjoyed it, and there's still three or four pieces in the fridge. We did that yesterday. Also, tomorrow, I am going back to work, partially. Yeah? Yeah, just Wednesday, Friday, Saturday for right now. So just three days a week, but yeah, I start back tomorrow. Nice. Are people people looking to buy Nissans right now? Apparently. Nice. I mean, so yeah. Nice. Just because all this is going on, I mean that I mean, doesn't. I'm gonna have a mask and stuff, and that doesn't mean that people's cars aren't breaking down or you know <clears throat> don't need a new one. Can I say one thing that annoys me personally and is not a useful thing or even fair on my part? Every commercial is some version of we know it's tough out there right now, but we all need Liverson's goose livers. For yeah. all your goose liver needs, we'll be there for you for the coronavirus. Yeah, there was a beyond. meme I saw, something along the lines of um, Toyota commercials a year ago were buy a Toyota. Toyota commercials now are, in these uncertain times, buy a Toyota. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Still arguing with people on Facebook about today, again, just people bringing up like, well... It's got the same mortality rate as uh, a bad flu season. Like, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's like we don't know how what the mortality rate is, but it's somewhere in the realm of twenty to fifty times more deadly than a flu. Have you guys seen and, on Facebook the uh, the broom witch wand math problem? There's no. a lot of these. There's a lot of these out there. So it's it's a. It, it, it uses pictures and to represent. So it'll say like it'll have three pictures of like a boy dribbling a basketball, 
Um, and it'll say like it'll be you know boy dribbling basketball plus boy dribbling basketball plus boy dribbling basketball equals. Uh, Is it three 15. boys dribbling three basketballs? Equals fifteen, right? So then it'll say then it'll have a witch holding a broom and. Three of those added together equals 21. And then it'll have like a witch holding a basketball, but no broom. And three of those added together or some shit like that. And you're supposed to figure it out. So so the first thing about this that is, it's very apparent that people don't remember order of operations. Yeah. From, I think we learned that in like elementary school or, or pretty early on. In grade school. Yeah, usually usually roughly third grade. Third grade is order of operations. And then they also try and, like, trick you because they'll stack two wands on top of each other, like, just, like, one pixel apart. So if you're looking at it not very closely, you'll only see that there's one wand. But if you zoom in, and these, these photos are, like, usually not even good quality... There's there's actually two wands, so like ah, they gotcha. It, they're they're pretty annoying, but that's my rant cool. about Facebook uh, math problems. Welcome to Be Dead Source, your home for trying to describe visual problems. I guess <laughs> we can share it on the uh, Twitter or something. Check yeah, out the sure. doobly doo. We'll put it in the, we'll it in the doobly doo. Doobly doo. You can annoy your family. <laughs> I don't think I've, I haven't cooked anything uh, particularly remarkable. I am planning on, I might have talked about this already, but I'm going to do a full Thanksgiving dinner. Because hmm. I have a frozen turkey that I bought last Thanksgiving that I have been saving for nothing in particular other than I like Thanksgiving food. Hmm. So, How long is it good a, frozen like that? Doesn't it eventually go bad? Yeah, but not yet. Mini fact check. According to the Butterball Turkey Talk Line, turkeys can be stored in the freezer unopened and uninterrupted for up to two to three years and still be safe to cook. However, for best quality, they recommend using the frozen turkey within seven months of storage, so I'm still in the sweet spot. Mini fact check. <laughs> Not as of yet. All right. So it's remained frozen the whole time. It should be good, but I'm going to brine it up. It takes a like couple days to prep everything and... It's been a while since I had to cook my own Thanksgiving dinner. My mother-in-law is a supernaturally good cook, so I never have to worry about that stuff. Nice. Hey, do you guys, um, a little bit off topic here, but do you guys remember Mighty Ducks 2? Wow. A little off topic? <laughs> I'm sure I watched it. I can't say that I remember wait, what happened. Wait, before, Andy, before I let you get into that, uh, I would like to uh, let the audience in on a little conversation we had a couple of weeks ago. Where Andy was like, I think we're spending too much time on the intro, guys. We really need to tighten it up and make sure that we're keeping it to 10 minutes as we roll into our, like, 12th minute right now. So, no, please go ahead and tell us First our of all, ninth, eighth minute. ninth minute. Yeah, okay. we're eight have, minutes in. According to, my, according to my calculations, you have 46 seconds now yeah. to talk about the Mighty Ducks 2. Well, so, my... I, I injured my ankle a while back, and I've been trying to kind of run on it, but it keeps getting hurt more, so I have to stop for a while and stuff. Oh, it's and always about you and my hurt yeah. ankle. So, 29 seconds. This morning, I woke up, and I noticed that, like, my ankle feels really good. It doesn't hurt at all. There's no residual pain in my shin. Um, and it made me think of that moment in Mighty Ducks 2 
when Adam Banks is like, look, I can rotate the hockey stick with my wrist. And it was this big dramatic moment. Anyway, wow. that's all. This is clearly a better analogy would have been rookie of the year where the kid gets his arms stuck in the cast for too long and then can uh, uh, pitch for uh, Major League Baseball. That's actually a very bad analogy because while my injury has caused me to not be able to perform athletics at a high level and funky, funky butt loving. Oh, I'm going to splice in the doctor saying funky butt loving right here. Oh, funky butt loving. Did he say funky butt loving? Oh. Okay, good. Funky butt loving. Our, our, <laughs> our topic for the day <laughs> Is uh, something about sand or coconuts yeah. or well, eagles, all right, so, seagulls or something? And the places I, we've already been on this episode. Right. <laughs> I don't actually know if this is the proper name for this thought experiment, but it's one of my favorite philosophical thought experiments. And I've been calling it like the desert island. And there, I realize that that's a little bit vague because there's a number of desert island thought experiments in philosophy. So it doesn't matter. Basically, we're going to talk about building a government from, from scratch. So I'm. I just uh, let's reframe it just a little bit differently, <laughs> or just frame it at all. I think. Let's all right. Let's start. Let's just start with the desert island. So let's say here's the scenario. Right. The 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 experiment goes like this: You are um, shipwrecked with a hundred other people on this desert island, and you are working to build a a governing body to to run this new so so called village, if you will. How do you do this? What do you do? What What is the government responsible for? What What are its activities and who's in the government? So let's start there. So first of all, do you guys all have your characters? <laughs> uh, okay. My character is named uh, Jaff Bezos. Jaff oh, wow. Bezos. And he, he owns all of the coconuts and the rest of you get to split one coconut amongst yourselves. So it, I think the first question is you know in this in this scenario what is your government what is your government responsible for why what is the purpose of setting up the government what do you want to accomplish with it with with only a hundred people it's it's like barely even worth calling it a government like you could just make decisions collectively okay so you're talking about a, a purely democratic government i mean you don't need officials to particularly like dole out responsibilities if there's only a hundred people. So well, every called... single person on your island, you want everyone involved in every decision. No, voluntarily, uh, people who want to be a part of the decision making process. But I I want to make a distinction too because di direct democracy would imply that everybody's opinion is equally valid when that's not necessarily the case. If somebody is an expert on extracting water from coconuts and they've been studying extracting water from coconuts for 30 years, their opinion matters more than mine about how we should be extracting water from coconuts. Okay. Fair enough. I also call dibs on the only source of fresh water on the island. So Okay, great. That might be um, something your government wants to deal with at some point. Obviously, Nathan has his own thing that he wants to talk about today. 
and he's just going to No, for He really wants to rail on Jeff Bezos, but all he has is this desert island thing going on, so he's just going to... I'm not railing on him. I am saluting him and saying that I choose to go his route. No, but one thing that I think in a small government like this, one thing that they would help do is make sure that resources are distributed evenly so that people can't monopolize things that are vital for the survival of the rest of the group. Okay. All right. Well, all right. So, so ooh, a couple things going on here now. So Pat, you were talking about, you have some people with some more expertise in certain things. Whose opinion is more valuable. So I, I don't think that one man, one vote is the smartest way to go about it. I think we should have a discussion, a debate about something and people should let themselves be persuaded by convincing arguments. But ultimately, the strength of one's argument could be helped or hindered by this kind of expertise. Is there any downside for lying? Is like if, if I choose to try and get across my idea to you by just straight up lying to you about the situation... Is there a downside to that for me later on? Uh, well, does the government have any obligation to like make sure that people are getting accurate information? I mean, if we if we find out, we're gonna we're gonna strip your ta- toenails off. So, if, so corporal punishment. If you like having toenails, right in the mix. I love it. All right, so you've got a semi democratic, semi technocratic, and and ra- somewhat draconian. <laughs> um, enforcement. Yeah. Can you Which, make sure? As now, listen. I'm not. I'm Andy, not trying to. Sit, as you're as like, you're explaining these things, if you could explain what they are, like if you could explain what you're talking about. Yeah. So we're Pat led off by here. saying, "Well, he said, I think you have a small enough group that everyone can kind of be involved with everything. You don't need to actually elect a separate government to represent mm-hmm. them. But then he kind of changed. He kind of pivoted a little bit and said, "Well, but as." we should be listening to the people who know the most about those sorts of things, kind of a meritocracy sort of situation, right? Fair enough. Am I, am I portraying this accurately, Pat? Yeah, no, you got it. Okay. Cause I don't want to misrepresent. I do. I, you know, so now one thing I would say is you explaining uh, one thing that everybody may not understand by using another word, i.e. meritocracy that maybe not everybody understands is probably not the most effective way to make your argument. <sighs> what? What vocabulary level do our listeners have? Um, I think you assume that everybody <laughs> – you assume that you have to explain anything above apparently third grade because that's what the – like that was the grade level that people didn't understand for that math problem, right? Right. Uh, order of operations, yeah. Mini fact check. An easy way to remember the order of operations is to remember the phrase, please excuse my dear Aunt Sally, which means – Parentheses, exponents, multiply, divide, add, subtract. Mini fact check. So, all right. A a meritocracy refers to a system in which those who display merit sort of rise to the top. Merit being skill or knowledge or expertise in some way. So I I use that term because of Pat's example. If you have an expert, excuse me, on um, what did you say? Cracking coconuts or finding Ex- coconuts? Extracting water from coconuts. Yeah, extracting water fishermen, from coconuts. Fishermen, then farmers, that's the whatever. Person who 
that person's uh, thoughts on how the group should go about doing it carry more weight than say may thoughts on it who i have right. had i've bought coconut water at the grocery store like so um that's meritocracy and i use that kind of in conjunction with the technocrat term which is a little bit different but basically refers to p- having people follow the expertise of the experts yeah that makes a lot of sense to me because if we're on this deserted island and nobody likes a particular person but that guy is also has the best hunting skills. We're not going to allow the majority to just uh, bully this guy into like having to give up his hunting skills to the society. Um, mm-hmm. He should be he should be the one that's actually in charge of deciding how we're going to get food. And here's the um, the actual definition of uh, technocracy. Technocracy. Te- uh, technocracy. <laughs> what? A technocratic government. How about that? Technoc- technocracy uh, uh, is an ideological system of governments in which decision makers are selected on the basis of their expertise in a given area of responsibility, particularly with regard to scientific or technical knowledge. So it's pretty much exactly what Pat's talking about. Yeah, right. I mean, that sounds great because, I mean, just having an opinion about something that's not informed by any facts is not inherently valuable. So, Here's my question is basically the same as Nathan's earlier. What's to stop people from lying about their expertise in a certain area in order to gain prestige or power and then monopolizing it? Well, there's only a hundred of us. So like if you're... I mean, people are definitely going to do that. You think so? Yeah, for sure. Yes. I mean, people like not even necessarily with bad intentions. I think some people will just assume that they know more than they do because... That's how people work. People will assume that they have a level of uh, expertise that they don't have because they like to watch that camping channel on YouTube from time to time or whatever. <laughs> I mean, so a, a ch- one check that's in be- in play to keep this fair and honest is you have to actually convince people that you have expertise. If you If you just say you have expertise... And then you demonstrate that you clearly don't know what you're talking about. Pe- people hopefully would notice that. And if if not, and we find out later that you you lied about it in order to monopolize resources at the expense of everyone else, um, I mean, I think yeah, you're going to be punished for that. Would you rescind that argument that that statement if Donald Trump gets reelected? Uh. I don't follow. So Donald Trump being kind of a perfect example of someone who just flat out lies about what he has done and what he can do. And and he, he has been exposed multiple times about that. And he still, if he still wins re-election, does that do enough to shake your foundation that you believe people will actually will push back if someone's lying to them? I think that the, this is the best that we can do. Like, I don't, I don't know how you're going to make a foolproof system that is resistant to demagoguery. I, I don't know what you're going to do 
about that. Right. Um, I think... Yeah, other than say that we're going to take your toenails. So... Donald Trump would, are we, are we, would eventually lose. Have we decided for sure that toenails is is the punishment? I mean, fingernails, that, eyelids, whatever. Uh, I like toenails because, like, it doesn't actually hinder your ability to function in society. It's think just, how bad that would suck if you were like spending all your time on the beach. You get sand and salt water on your yeah. Oh, it's really it's unpleasant. Um. Okay. Yeah, but that, I mean, this is clearly a problem, right? I mean, people are going to want to seem more important than they are. They're going to seem more knowledgeable than they are. And, like, basically, you need to come up with a list of things that we need. Like, we need fresh water. We need shelter. We need food. We need a way to make fire. Like, whatever those things are, you come up with those as a group and then go ahead and form groups with leaders that presumably know how to do those things. Now... And and okay, so there's the next step. Some leaders to organize all of this. Pat, you you gave me the impression that you were not particularly interested in in putting someone a a particular coordinating force in charge, but just kind of let the the flow of needs and and who you have the you know needs and personnel matching them up and fitting needs like that. Mm-hmm. Well, we only we only have a hundred people, so I think taking even one person and saying like your whole job is just organization is just like administration and governance is a hand that is not on deck uh doing other significant work for survival hypothesizing you're 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 kind of taking the opinion that the the amount of work that that person could do physical labor could do in that day is more than the increased efficiency of the group at large by assuming a non-labor role. You take one person out, but that wouldn't get everybody. Um, right. Okay. Yeah, I would say that so, they're and just I would to say run the numbers on that really quickly, time. I mean, if you take one person out, every, the other 99 people each need to increase their productivity by, what, about 1% to fill that gap? So if they could increase their productivity right. by more than 1%, would you, um, what do you I reject I reject the notion that they would increase okay. their productivity okay. doing that. I think I think they would lose productivity doing See, that. I think uh, good bureaucromancer, <laughs> uh, as I will call them, uh, a bureaucrat could go ahead and make sure that the person who doesn't know what they should be doing is just like sitting on the beach throwing rocks into the ocean could go ahead and make sure that they're helping out in grid A. To find fruit or whatever. Okay, it, it, if if somebody has decided in a survival situation that the best thing that they can do is sit on the beach and throw rocks, they're probably right. <laughs> oh no, I think they're not going to be the person I want to have in charge, but two hands can always be more useful if those two hands are given direction. Maybe... Maybe they maybe they do a horrible job at whatever it is you're relying on them to do, and they and they distract other people, and wind up costing efficiency. Well, I mean, then you don't. You, there's a bunch of different types of jobs. You don't be like, hey, that guy needs heart surgery over there. Go ahead and have at it. Sharpen up that seashell and get in there. You go ahead and have them like dig or like whatever 
the like mindless project that needs done that if it doesn't get done, if it does get done, it's good. If it doesn't get done, no one's dying because of it. I'm just saying like having someone organize the group is, I think, very valuable. You're giving it no value, and so, I give it a lot of value. So I, I think it's useful at this point to say, like, you know, we're constructing more than one island, theoretically. We, do, you, do you each want to have your own island? I think yeah. that's a good idea. I think, um, actually, my kind of intention was to each have our own island, and then... Nice. Uh, and then kind of at the end, one of the variations was we would each, we, we all three would be, we would have an island together. We'd have to compromise and find a balancing point that made us all happy. And at the end, we, and at the, at the end, we to fight. The death, <laughs> through Skype. Yeah. Skype fight. <laughs> oh, man. P- PVP enabled. <laughs> um, so. When you get to my island, my entire group is going to be in the nether. Yeah. So in the nether. Making that as it's a Minecraft joke. Oh, I thought it was sex. So, so you would, so you would dedicate some amount of resources to bureaucracy. How many? Uh, what do you think is the right size, Nathan? What? How many people out of a hundred would you put towards organization? organization? I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to tell. Probably, I'm thinking three, maybe, but it depends on. So, if if we agree that our primary objectives are well. All right, so since I have my own island, my primary objectives are going to be fresh water, like, immediately, then shelter, then food, and then, I don't know, I really like the idea of loincloths, so clothing, maybe. But I think what you could do is if you knew that those are your four four things, you go ahead and you put maybe half your people on fresh water right off the bat. And you put a few people on finding shelter or f- like creating shelter, things like that. And then if you had basically, I think communication would be incredibly helpful. So if you had one person organizing and you gave them two people to run around the island and say, like, find out how different projects are going and communicate between the groups, I think that would make everybody more effective. So let's say three, one brain and two two pairs of legs to move between groups. Right on. How do you how do you decide who your uh organizer is? That is an excellent question. I mean it'd be me. Me I mean it's me. <laughs> right. Cuz I'm the brainiest one. But I mean I don't know like it it depends on who like I think probably one of the first things you want to do is you want to get together like hi everybody my name's Nathan. Hi Nathan. Uh I'm not a professor. Or anything? Does anybody have here uh, gone camping before? Anybody have sur- any survival skills? Excellent. Do we have any doctors? Oh, that's fantastic. Find out what skills you have to work with in the first place, and then go from there. Right. I mean, I'm thinking it's possible that there would be wasted time and effort deciding who gets to be the master organizer. That that people will be. Uh, like indignant that they weren't chosen for that position. Yeah. So I guess I, there sure will be. So my, on my Island, I think I'm kind of leaning more towards, I mean, the immediate needs, I think you kind of laid them out. The immediate needs to get, need to get dealt with and you've got food, water, shelter, and first aid. Probably. I think. Loincloths. What? Loincloths. Loincloths. Uh, food, water, shelter, first aid. And, and I think, 
some level of defense um, in case there are some animals or something that could be dangerous, right? You need... I think that's important. You don't know anything about this island. Rival islands. <laughs> I'm not super worried about that just yet because I figure there's probably at least a couple days buffer before they would rain down hell. Sasquatch. <laughs> so, for me, I would think... I'd start at, you know, I think just we as a group, we need to identify the the doctors and medical people who can help with first aid. Uh, anyone who has some construction ability or knowledge who can help build shelters. And then maybe you have someone who can work on sharpening some sticks. <laughs> and everyone else is trying to find food and water and scavenge the ship and stuff like that. You know, get whatever supplies you can. Um Oh, do you mean do you mean putting people in charge of the things that they have expertise so in? So I am saying like like a technocracy. Yeah. Initially, I think that with, without any like overhead supervision, I think you need to get started in on that sort of thing and start with some technocratic approach. But roughly maybe 3 to 5 days in, as you have some of those necessities starting to settle down, you've collected some food, you know where the fresh water is. Uh, you've gotten all the supplies off the ship that you can, at least for now. I think you do start to take a look at who has been an effective organizer and leader during that time and start building a small representative democracy type government. I would probably say I think I like the idea of five people once you get past that immediate need for all hands on deck. Like, I agree with Pat. I think the first couple of days is everybody's just being hands. Mm-hmm. But I think once you get past that, I think having, a, say, a five-person council, we'll call it, makes a lot of sense because you can you can have a fair amount of diversity in that, in that group. But I think also that council wouldn't be super powerful. They wouldn't be making big decisions for everyone. They would be making kind of administrative decisions like, you know, how are we doing on food? Oh, we should send some extra people out to gather food today them because we're running low or whatever so i guess for me like what do you do there's a a group of people in our country that have been going out and protesting having to stay at home because of the coronavirus these people are morons and what do you do if you have somebody in that in, in your group that is putting the rest of the group at risk to exercise personal freedom in a way that doesn't make sense does that question make sense the way I'm framing it? How do you enforce social adherence for safety purposes and things like that? Yeah. I think yeah. it's really I mean, important to not have, question for uh, sure. you know, little teenage Johnny go wandering off into the woods all by himself for everyone's safety because you don't know it's out there. He might get injured and it might not affect anyone else or he might get followed back to the village um and and track a, a, a pack of wolves back with him i keep on assuming we're talking about like a, a lost situation so i'm gonna say polar bear okay i haven't seen lost. Have, have you seen lost no oh you should you should watch lost it's very good i i should i just haven't but at any rate so yeah i think that's a good question how how do you enforce that do you post sentries like guards walking around your village to make sure nobody goes wandering off to make sure that you don't get attacked. What what happens is everybody, if everybody needs to lend a hand and somebody won't, or somebody chooses to do something mm. that is not in fact in the best interest of the, the tribe because they think it makes sense personally, 
How do you deal with that? How how tough do you come down on them? Well, I'm just not going to go out of my way to feed them. They're free to get their own food, but if they're not going to do anything productive to help the rest well, of the tribe, then they don't have a uh, right. They don't have an entitlement to food. So what you're really or, talking about here is the social contract, and you're saying that you just let them opt out of it entirely. Yeah, I mean, they they are free to get their own food, and we're not. I mean, we're not going to punish them or anything for not wanting to participate. But if they don't want to participate, then they're not participating. At least they aren't in the way. Okay. Well, but you're talking about you're talking about the lazy person scenario, which is fine. But what if that person's beef is that they're not getting enough food, and you should give them a bigger portion so that way they can find more food or use the energy and you know like there's a bunch of different ways that people can like being lazy and not contributing to the tribe is one thing but right. actively working against the tribe well so let's say like i'm i'm a really talented hunter in your tribe and i, I realized that if i just went out and hunted for myself i would have more than if i went out and hunted as a part for the tribe and then took just an equal cut of what was gotten for the tribe as a whole. Right. Like, I can go get more. Why Why wouldn't I go do that? It's a better deal for me. <laughs> you just gotta hope you don't have any libertarians on the island with you. Well, I mean, we are going to all die. So there's that. I think, I think you are free to do that, and I'm happy for you to exercise your freedom to go do that. But for the person who's, who's demanding more food i would say first of all let's kick that question to our food expert guy who was put in charge of food production because of knowing the most about food production and he can decide you know do we have the extra supplies maybe we do right. have the extra supplies to provide that probably we don't and probably will handle that question. And I think everybody around who's listening and hearing this is going to have some kind of opinion about the person who is demanding more. And I think that that will be sort of self-regulating also. Well, and there's a there's a reason why this comes up in fiction all the time is because there are a million different types of personalities out there. And there are people who will be unreasonable. Like, me trying to figure out, like, potential issues is, like, the worst kind of anti-improv. Where, like, instead of yes and, it's, like, all always no but. Like, because I can, like, come up with these different things. Like, I can imagine the guy who's like, well, the food expert. I know more than that guy anyway. So, like, give me some more of that, like, wild hog that you caught or whatever you'd almost have to have a way around people's personalities. And the problem with having only a hundred people is that you kind of need everybody. And if somebody, it doesn't work out, what do you do? You don't have a jail. Do you like kill them? Like, what do you do? I mean, in extreme cases, but I think generally it would be, it would be easier to exile someone than to, than to have to execute them. I mean, I think that there, there are problems with right. empowering your government to execute people. I think usually it's going to be cleaner. And especially, you know, if this is not that big a deal, 
if if this is an issue that we don't really need to be executing people over, if it's not a problem, it's not a problem. You know, we we may decide that he doesn't get extra food, or we may decide that he uh, was <laughs> bullying everybody around and therefore does get extra food. Whatever it is that we decide, but I think I think if the contract has sort of been broken. If you're going against what the food expert told you and you decided like, all right, I'm just going to be lawless and, uh, you know, not abide by anyone else's rules. I would say at that point, we would probably just say like, all right, well, you're not in the tribe anymore. We're not going to kill you, but you can't stay here anymore. All right. Let's, can I just say, just to move us along a little bit, let's say you're on day 30, no, no sign of rescue ship yet. But you have enough fresh water for everybody, and maybe people are a little sick of like the the wild grass and fish diet, but you have enough to feed everybody more or less. What's step two now uh, well what what is what does the next phase of your society look like at that point? Technology comfort, yep. probably some for uh, me agriculture one. Maybe even domesticate an animal or two. Trying to map out mm-hmm. the island would be a pretty big thing. Yeah. I think even sooner than thirty days, you're going to um, want to start. Focusing yeah, the sooner on you start it, the sooner you get to take advantage of it. And I think you start to try to improve some natural defenses. Maybe in part of mapping out the island, you find some like some some caves, a, a network of caves, or something that you can make use of uh, to keep food cool, you know, comforts and, and other sorts of improvements. Te- you say tech- you said technology. One of the technologies I would want to try to improve on early on would be a little bit of defense technology, some better pointy sticks. Right. Well, so I rushed stone tools. <laughs> so now I'm actually going to go out and PVP your guys' islands. I've I just been making uh, zergs this whole time. <laughs> so, because um, I think, you know, you can have zergs. Um, yeah, same, same kind of basic kind of boat. Um, actually, speaking of boats, that's another technology I'd want to try and start to work on is just some a couple canoes that can be used for some higher quality fishing. Right, but this oh. is all very brass tech stuff. What about the government? Is the government directing the... That, I'm glad you... That's a good point. No, for me, um, yes and no, I guess I should say. The whole island, we've only got 100 people. So I think everybody needs to be... Everyone who wants to be should be able to be in on the decision of what things we want to work on. But then I think it's that administrative council's job to allocate appropriate resources. Okay, we want to build two canoes. We're going to need 10 people... For two days, you know, and, and, and figure out how to do it. So I think, because I think when you, when you're talking about figuring out what to do, it's about where do we want this sort of, we'll call it a a pseudo society to be headed. Um, And I think that's a decision that everyone should be a part of, but at least with a small crew, with a small island of a hundred people, I don't have any problem with then having just those people who've been put in that position of power making those those nitty-gritty decisions because otherwise you'll get way too bogged down in how to do it if everybody gets to be in on that. So I think, just to agree with you, because I think you mentioned a little bit, Andy, but I, mm. I think I would also agree I would have probably a group of five people on a council to head up my society, different people that represented different parts of that hundred-person group in terms of, like, 
age and ethnicity and I don't know how much that matters like when you have that few people but it's going to depend on the the like individuals. I think one of the the earliest things I'd be like do we have a psychologist anywhere in the group because that I think that would be incredibly important. See if anybody has any like huge medical concerns right off the bat mm-hmm. that you could prepare for early on. Oh yeah, stuff like uh diabetes. Yep. Yep. Well, I was going to say the person who needs insulin is yeah. probably pretty screwed. So, but I mean, the, the idea is I would go ahead and have regular meetings with that group of five and I would go ahead and like maybe weekly meetings with that group of five or like daily meetings for that matter. And then weekly meetings with the entire group to sort of explain like, this is what we're doing. What do you guys think? Does anybody have any ideas? Does anybody, uh, can anybody do anything that uh, they need resources to go ahead and help the community? Yeah. Oh, uh, I think at this stage in the game, also, entertainment becomes really important. So, yeah. Um, Don't worry, guys. I've been learning how to play the guitar. Really? This one's called Wonderwall. Oh, no. Please stop. I will destroy your guitar. No. Yeah, I do. I do think so, because... Andy's smashing the one guitar on the island. <laughs> no. Uh when you've got this many people with all the time, like, right, they don't... Have, it's not like they have entertainment. They can't go home and watch Netflix. So you need to keep spirits up. You need to keep people engaged. And you want to keep people feeling unified, feeling that sense of community, uh, which is really, in a way, the nice way of saying help prevent dissidents. All right. Well, I think I would start my own religion (laughs) just for people of the island. They could worship me. Bring me, like, pineapples and stuff. And then I would give them wisdom. I would give them... help keep everybody together. Fruit punch. I think the problem you're going to run into is that if we're dealing with modern people who are marooned on an island... Mm-hmm. Shipwreck uh, or whatever. Like, from a plane crash or from a shipwreck, they are going to be very skeptical <laughs> of so, your divinity. I... I... I think I remembered when, like, the, the sun was going to eclipse, and I, I tell them, no! And then the sun, like, disappears for a moment and comes back, and be like, behold my power! Right, so, anyway. <laughs> so, that would be my, that, that's, that's, what, that's what phase two on Nathan Island looks like. Super Nathan. <laughs> I don't think now, I don't think now would be the most dramatic thing that you could say. Excelsior! Uh, did we all go with this? The fast forward. Let's yeah. And, let's fast uh, dude, forward like, like five years now. People have had kids okay. on this island now, right? Your yeah. population is now a hundred and eight. Okay, <laughs> that's a good question. Has the I think has the government you. significantly changed in five years? Uh, I think we just invented grunge rock on my island. And we just built our first Radio Shack. <laughs> okay, well, we've got a Walmart, so off. Well, I will take Radio Shack. My island has been rescued at this point, so <laughs> you guys are good. Um, anyway, no, uh, what what would you, do you think that there's a need to change the form of government when you've been there for years now? Yeah. Well, now, I would say now we probably can afford a bureaucracy in a way that, like, I don't think that it was efficient to put energy towards in the early days. 
But now, you know, assuming that we all, you know, were able to get shelter and food and agriculture and technology up and running, now there would be at least the resources to make that feasible that you could have. What, what would that government have look like? People that were in charge of, like, delegating things. Do you well, want to think about it a little bit? Because we already have government. That's a good question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not to brag or anything, but no. Um, so I think, um, yeah. you know, once you hit that first year, I think it's important to start looking at how to cycle in and out different people. So I think on my island, there's a yearly election for one of the five spots. So every five years. Right. And you're not allowed to serve on the council twice in a row. So you, every five I years, think... it's five new people. But each person's right. on there for five years and kind of grows in seniority as you go. And I think early on, like in year one, I probably would have made that cycle like every month. Hmm. So that people know that changing ideas on there and that they can get on there and like hopefully like tamp down some of their <laughs> disagreements. Yeah. Uh, but I agree with that. I, I like that idea a lot. I do. I also think that we've started to by by five years in there's the overall kind of governing council but there's also groups of i guess we can call it technocratic council sub councils so like we'll have maybe a council of five other people who are in charge of running the the defense of the of the village you know protecting from maybe defense and hunting or something Right. Um, you've got an agricultural council and probably a, or at least you're starting to think about how to put together an education, some sort of education system for the kids, because first of all, you got to keep them busy. Well, I think we would probably have moved away from a toenail style justice, probably maybe in year two. <laughs> um, I'm surprised I, you would keep the toenails for that long or yeah, keep well, getting rid of the toenails for that long. I wasn't. I wasn't super excited about it in the first place. Well, you but don't have to do toenails at your island. <laughs> I I think, but I I think what I'd like. I like the idea of doing some education. I'd want really early on to try and duplicate skills. So if we have a doctor on the island, have a variety of people work with him or her or them. Like try and duplicate their skills. So if there's only one doctor. Try and make sure that we are getting as much of that doctor's information to as many different people as possible. Same thing with agriculture. If we have somebody who knows how to do this stuff, make sure that many, many people know how to do that stuff and rotate out. Have this like series of rotating apprenticeships around the island so that way you share that information with as many people as possible and maybe make the kids' education based on that stuff at first. That's a good idea. Just learning by doing. Um, right. I like that. I also, I, I like, now I forgot what it was, something that you had said, so I'll think of it. Never mind. The toenail thing. Well, no, I think I would have gotten rid of that a while ago as well. <laughs> um, I think, oh, I remember what I was going to say. So I, I, I like the idea of having, I want to encourage everyone in my village to be involved in some of the decision making for the village on some level. But in a way that they feel comfortable, and if they don't feel comfortable doing that at all, then okay, fine. So I don't want to force anyone to, but I'd like, I want people to be able to like, look, if you know something about agriculture, or if you want to learn and be able to help with agriculture, go right. join that committee or whatever, like, 
get on that task force, get on that, <laughs> become a part of that community. Find a way, something that you hopefully care about, that, but something that's going to help make your life more meaningful and make everyone's life in the village better. Um, something else, by the time we hit five years in, also I think we've been at least working on trying to find ways to, to do some make make metal. I mean, we're a modern culture. We know a little bit about that. And if we can find any raw materials, we should be able to smith a few metal tools, like maybe an axe or two, to help make things go a lot better there. Maybe some guns and invade Pat's Island. That, we're making, we're making that's cannons. Great, but I, I feel like that's, that, that's a little bit irrelevant to the question no, of how it's too the late. We already have cannons. government works. Yeah. Well, we're going to have a a mayor and a council, I think, because it's it's important to have one person that is able to respond quickly to emergencies with what we should do. So, if there is something like a a tiger attack that we're not like putting it to the council to debate over the next 3 days, that there's a decisive action that is able to be, like, taken. Kind of like, you know, being able to respond in wartime. But there's also the council, which um, we only have, what, 108 people at this point? So I think anyone that wants to is just on the council. I don't think we're, we even need elections for who is on the council. I think it's just voluntary. If you want, then you are... Like, we put you on the list, and next time a a slot comes up, the next person on the list goes on? Is that what you're thinking? No, everybody that wants to can participate in the council. Big council. And they're the one who decides who the mayor is, but they also can uh, veto the mayor's decision. If the mayor decides to do something stupid, then the council can overrule him. Do they select the mayor from from themselves, or from... The population at large. Only only people who would volunteer to uh, be nominated for okay. mayor. So, I so mean, there's we like an election we, in we front of elect, the council rather than in front of the whole island. We we wouldn't we wouldn't elect someone who wasn't running for mayor. You know, we wouldn't we wouldn't impose it on somebody who who had no interest in being. What do you do if but, if Chief Bezos. I think it can come from anywhere in the population. I don't think it has to come from the council. Okay, so so anyone can run for mayor. The, they're running in front of the council, and the council's the one who votes and chooses someone. How close right. to unanimous does the council have to be? Um, I think I think simple majority. I think if there's ten candidates and one of them gets twenty percent, but that's more than anybody else, then that's the mayor. A plurality of votes. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm not opposed to that. But, I mean, I don't know what the right answer is. I'm not necessarily on board with the mayor, but I do think your concern about being able to respond quickly to a an emergency raises an interesting point. Yeah. I think on my island, that, that person is just the, the, the person in the fifth year on the council, the most senior council member. Oh, that's interesting. It's not a bad idea. Because, I mean, well, the the nice thing about having a five-person council is you're not going to end up with a tie. Right. You know, if you end up with a situation that needs decisive action, 
congratulations. You're good. Like you're going to get it one way or another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think odd numbers are, that's one of the, that's a huge thing. I mean, it's, it's been around in politics for millennia. Odd numbers and preventing ties is super important. We're also only going to meet the, we're only going to convene the council after the relevant working hours of the day are over. Good. So people who are contributing to like the the food and the the tool making, the people who, you know, are doing important things for our society are not excluded because they didn't have time to attend the right. council meetings. What about the people who are on night guard duty? Uh well, they can absentee vote. Mm. Sounds like you're oppressing them, but okay. Well you could <laughs> and you could always uh, switch out. Or maybe those people get additional reactions for being willing to uh, work at night. So, um, yeah, okay. I think I love all that. Let's change it up a little bit. Let's now say, let's go back to the, the original island, the first week on the island. But let's do now, There, it's not a shipwreck. Now there's, it's a big whole disaster and there's about 5,000 people living on the island. So, okay. ready, go. <laughs> well, I think the first thing... Beer rock romance. I think the first thing is is accepting that probably, like, two-thirds or more of them are going to starve to death, like, immediately. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because supporting 5,000 people would take huge amounts of resources that are just not abundantly He available. didn't tell you that the island that you're stranded on is Australia. <laughs> I mean, I think it could certainly be big enough to support the people ultimately, but I think that is a good problem that you've got a shit ton of people and they're most likely in a fairly confined space right now. Well, and how many of those people do you think are immediately self-sufficient on, like, gathering food? Because if we're talking about modern people, I, I think that that's, like, less than 1%. Yeah, so are we are we on a relatively large island? Yeah, let's say it's, I mean, it's it's bigger big as than you, you can tell. Okay. So I think uh, what I would do is I would go ahead and separate out into multiple tribes. I wouldn't I wouldn't try and keep everybody alive. I would go ahead and maybe groups of 500 and then send other people out to find different parts of the island to settle on. And then we could work together later on. Mm. But not try and survive as one big group. I think separating out to try and uh, survive... Because I don't think you're going to find enough resources on one part of the island to support that many people. But the island as a whole... On the first yeah, day. On the island as a whole could probably support everybody. And so instead of trying to cram everybody together in one group, you go ahead and make sure, all right, you need to head off in that direction. Make sure to send somebody back to let us know where you end up. And then we'll connect up over over time and make sure maybe we found a resource that this other group didn't find so we can share with each other. But yeah. 5,000 people is too many to try and figure out. And then maybe you, uh, like, eventually figure out a series of local governments and then a an island-wide government, too. I think all 500 people that you're sending off in that way are, like, all going to start. Maybe, but, like, each each group would have the same chance of surviving. Yeah, fair enough. And, like, if they, if they f*** off and then they end up coming back, and saying, like, there's no food over there. We can be like, oh, cool, we found some yams or whatever. 
come on back. It's interesting. I mean, it's super hard to organize on such a large large scale. That's why centralized economies don't work. It's just interesting to hear you say it. <laughs> I'm good. I anyway, mean, I would no. say, like, I am always foremost a fan of pragmatism. Mm-hmm. Same. So that's that tends to be where I land on situations like this. Yeah. I think I'd probably... My first instinct would be to keep the group t- together in general, but... To keep the keep the so somewhere in between, I guess. I think in terms of getting people organized and getting them to work and being productive, you've got to break it down, and it helps to just do it arbitrarily at first. Split you off, split you off, split you off. Do your thing. Right. I think it would. What I would. What I would want to try to do though is have each of those. I like the five hundred number, and that's ten groups. I'd. Right. I think what I would want, though, is for all ten groups to stay within, like, reachable distance, communicable distance. And to not not divvy up tasks, but try to find where, like, have one... Each group needs to be responsible for finding water, food, shelter, uh, and taking care of m- medical needs for state. I think basic stuff that we did before. But I think what I want is to have communication between these groups so that very very quickly we'll know hey there's absolutely no water or food over this way and we can divert those people somewhere else or hey there's there's lots of food but there's no water hey well we have lots of water but no food let's start swapping exactly so like i don't love the idea of being like all right you 500 go f off right I would rather have, say, like, okay, go a mile up the beach and then stop and figure out what you got going on. I mean, that's basically what what my what I'm envisioning. Okay, because it sounded more like you were like, let's break up into groups of 500 and I'm not going to worry about the other nine groups. <laughs> no, I, I don't care. I'm only dealing about... with my group of 500. Yeah, it's more about you're not going to be able to find enough resources for that number of people in your area. And moreover, like, if you go over here and you go over here and you go over here, make sure to check back with us later. Different groups are going to find different resources. Yeah. And we can share those amongst each other. Well, and the other piece of this for me is with the groups of 500, I also would want to have them identifying who these people, who the people are with special useful skills, like, say, hunting and trapping or fishing or uh, like medicine and you want to talk about when those ad- apprenticeships would become important. Well, I want to I want to be able to very quickly get I mean with 5000 people we should be able to find a good 10 or 12 doctors, right? Or medical personnel. Mm-hmm. A good handful who can then start to really they can really band together and figure out the best way to treat all the medical needs of all 5000. So part of the process of splitting up to figure out is is you're very quickly trying to map out resources on the island and trying to map out human resources within your group so that you can collectively start allocating those things more more appropriately. And let's say, I mean, let's just say for crazy sake, there's 50 medical people. You don't need those 50 people looking for food and stuff. You can let them go and start to establish some like a first aid hut. You probably have several hundred people with some construction skill who at least know a little bit about it. Let's just make them the house building group and they'll do that. 
and and maybe give them people to learn because you've got a, a huge expanse of human resources. But that means you've got a, a huge you've got a huge pool of human resources you can draw from to get stuff done. But also you've got a huge pool that you have to sift through to identify talents and uh, fill niches and, and find you know fill needs and things like that. I, th- I think one of the first things we're going to do is we're going to line it up like like dodgeball and we're going to we're going to pick teams and uh m- my team is going to get all of the, and then the you're best just execute you know, survivors else. and the people who actually know how to get food hunters um any Pat, doctors we'll take those Pat's first goal is just to get this 5000 back down to 100 and No, we're not going to execute there. them. We're, we're just, <laughs> everybody, we don't have to help them survive. A new food source called Soylent Green. You'll love it. <laughs> no, Pat wants all the best, well, you know, expertise on his group though. Hey, here's the thing guys. I'm going to develop diplomats and uh make some boats. Just send some diplomats over to your islands. Then we can trade amongst each other. It'll be great. Um, We're going to have a comedy club, a disco. It's going to be great. There you go. Uh, do you do you still try to establish a, a governing body with with the, with the a much higher I don't number think of would, people? I, I think it's more important at, at a higher number. I think at 5,000 than, than now it is necessary to start allocating people to just like organization. Yeah, and for me, it wouldn't really change much from what I had before. You'd probably have uh, represent uh, representatives from each council, from each set of groups that I was talking about, um, come together. Although you'd probably need to have nine groups, so you still had the odd number. But you go ahead, or eleven groups, whatever whatever your fancy is. But you have uh, representatives come from each of the groups together and uh, make decisions for the island as a whole. And you have each group trade amongst each other. Uh, try and develop uh, infrastructure in each of the different camps, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you probably want to do. I mean, you've got individual groups of roughly five hundred now. I think that a five person council from each group is still fairly reasonable. It's it's definitely yeah. a much smaller percentage, so it's less representative. But yeah, it's still I think pretty pretty decent. I think my punch in the gut would then to have the like the centralized council and i actually kind of like the idea of of having an even number there have one member from each of the councils of five on the central council so you have a council of 10 there right and i think that is that council is purely for the purposes of exchanging resources between groups physical you know food resources and stuff as well as human resources and so right. it's not making any well, it's not making think, any yeah, big decisions think, it's not it's not the place where you go for stuff like oh there's a tiger attacking your village and you need a quick decision it's not it's not like that yeah. it's just for the purpose of kind of commerce essentially right i think you also need you need an authority to uh settle disputes that are between villages war huh good god y'all well what is it good for? I mean, that is one. That is one way. Absolutely nothing. Uh, <laughs> well, and this is, you know, I think this is where we. So let's 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 change it up. Let let's change up the entire scenario. We're not on a desert island. We're on the moon. Instead, we are in a a modern culture, modern society, but by some 
happenstance, uh, the federal government of the United States has decided to disband, and now your individual state, which for all of us is Ohio, is coming up with its own, it's now just a, a an autonomous body, not a part of a, of a United States thing, and we want to, we're now setting up a new government to run Ohio as its own nation, the new nation of Ohio. First of all, do you change the name? Second of all, I think do you move it somewhere south where there's less snow? <laughs> or further north? We're going to take Ohio and we're just going to move Ohio <laughs> to Alabama. That's the first thing I do is I open up negotiations with North Carolina. You don't understand. Like, we, especially in Cleveland, are in such a good in a good spot when it comes to the apocalypse. Like Lake Erie, like the Great Lakes in general, are such a good resource. Yeah, that's true. Well, think about it. We don't really have much in the way of natural disasters. We don't get earthquakes. We don't get hurricanes or typhoons. We occasionally get a tornado, but those but are that's mostly south of here. Those are few and far between. So right. let me ask you this: first things first, before we start getting you know talking about how we do this. What are the goals of your government now if you're uh, trying to start a government for a new nation roughly the size of Ohio? Well, first of all, everybody gets a UBI. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, so nobody's have, getting pregnant. Great. You're, you're going to have the yeah. broke the pro- broke nation. No, I think, I think mercantilism. I think acquire resources and uh, grow your gold reserves by exporting goods. Okay. I I think no matter where it comes from, we dump all our tea in the harbor. Just like show off for other other places that we're not going to have it. Okay. <laughs> no taxation without bastardization. That's a bold move. Uh We're more we're more coffee drinkers around here. <laughs> this is true. I do love me good coffee. Okay, but in seriousness, so like for me in a, in a modern world, in a modern age, we're not talking about desert island where there's no technology and stuff like that. Some of the first things that I'm thinking about that, that my central government needs to be responsible for, defense, and I say it first only because it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's really just about the only reasonable way to have a national defense is to have it through the federal government. I am... Not a big fan of private militias and stuff like that. So that, I think, is something that's pretty easy for me to stick in the central government of my new nation. There's, I want to make sure that as best I can, I want to make sure that this is not a horrible place to live for anybody and a great place to live for as many people as want to take advantage of it. So one of the things I do, I would look for first is a universal health care insurance for all my, all my whole new nation. I think I would probably, I think I would look to institute a UBI, a universal basic income. I, I think that that's the best way. Personally, I think it's the best way to, to make sure that the floor of my society is not, is, is tolerable. If, right. if you just have the bare minimum, that you're still not, you know, a wretch on the streets. Or if you are, it's because you, like, actively squandered. You, you made a decision, right, that it's not but I, like, It's not like you me, just like made I a bad investment. It's like you were right. like, I'm going to really lean into this heroin addiction. You have, like, made so many bad decisions and continue to make them because, 
at the beginning of next month, you're going to get another more yeah, resources. Exactly. And you're going to squander them again. In, in that instance, like the, the, I'm, I'm just not worried about those people in, in my society. There's going to be some, but I, I just, I don't think it's going to be a problem. So I think those are a couple of the things I want to look into. And then for me, I think it's, it does kind of come down to import export, but I'm looking way beyond just material things that I can import and export. I think importing an ex, well, especially exporting culture is a, an enormous uh, industry. It's a huge source of revenue. It's a huge, it's a big deal. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So exporting information and culture, stuff like cinema and, and TV, music. Also, I mean, I don't want to get involved in like national secrets and stuff. So I'm not going to try and trade that type of stuff. Mm. Uh, my nation is going to generally be fairly not involved with other nations stuff goings on. I think like, you guys are going to lose I I think you're going to lose a lot of your tax base to moving away to other nearby nations if you guys start instituting things like UBI. Well, I think it's a it's a maybe, but I think we also gain a lot because it's it's just a, a type of life decision. It's it's saying I would rather for I would rather pay for these social programs than those social programs. Um, right. The government I mean, is going to be pretty non intrusive. I'm not going to be telling people how to live their life or spend their money, but I am going. I'm going to make sure that if at the very least that everyone has been given a chance to make ends meet. And I don't think that that actually is going to be much of a deterrent. I just don't I, – I think that some like – yeah, probably some like super rich people are probably going to be like, eh, nah, I already have enough money. I'm not worried about those things. But I think most people – I think what it does is when you're talking about selective, you know, the choice of where you live based on mm -hmm. the type of government and, and how they allocate resources – it's an open borders sort of thing. And I, yeah, I absolutely want to have open borders. If you want to be a part of this, come on in. If you don't come visit. Right. I think, uh, y'all are welcome to like all my billionaires. I don't want them anyway. Uh, well, I'll take uh, a few. You can, but they're only going to rob you. They, they're not, gonna, they're not going to benefit your society in any way. Um, so we prefer to call them what job I, creators. <laughs> yeah man that would be great if it were true what we're gonna do i i like the idea of we we talked about this before but like i do like the idea of having a floor um if you want to like lay down on that floor and drink the whole time <laughs> go go to town but that is not that is not what evidence shows would happen it would just make make your life uh more reliable i think and creating something good for everybody and then giving the opportunity if people want to work harder if people want to stress themselves to create something great for themselves, I think it's fantastic. Again, I have no problem with rich people. I have no problem with filthy rich people. I have a problem with like supernaturally rich people. So that is like that's where my where my thing comes in. So leprechauns are right out. At least at first, uh, at least at first, uh, you can go ahead and make up to your. Nine hundred ninety-nine million nine hundred ninety-nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine dollars and ninety-nine cents, and then we are gonna tax that billionth dollar at one hundred percent. Well, you know what? Ninety-nine point nine nine percent. You can keep, 
and keep a little bit of it. Go ahead. But yeah, I think uh, it's it's harder for me like to create something from scratch when you start getting into these kind of numbers. I think equality is very important for me. Making sure that people have a a fair break is important to me. Making sure that people get a piece of the things that they work to create is important to me. But I I don't know. <laughs> I think at that point, I, I'm just trying to, to recreate most of the society we have now, but without all the horrible mistakes we've made. Well, and so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot more than just healthcare and UBI. I think also your my, my government's going to need to deal with schooling. Education's going to be really big. Um, and I think yep. flexible education systems. I think what I want to try and do, this is a little teaser, I guess, for our whenever we get into taxes. I have this theory that you could very, very feasibly, very reasonably actually sort of have a opt-in, opt-out tax form where you sort of pick and choose certain taxes. Now, there's some that you can't really do that, some that I think are just you're, everybody's in. But I think that you can have a certain amount of, yeah, I'd like to, con- you know, 2% of my income towards the national defense, 1% towards education, whatever. And I think you... I have a theory that that's doable, and I'd like to experiment with that in my country. Um, so fair enough. Anyway, that's one thing. Pat, I feel like you like. Yeah, that actually sounds kind of. What cool. are you thinking? I feel like you haven't had a chance to chime in here. Well, I mentioned briefly mercantilism uh, and exporting goods. Yeah, I mean, I want to focus on the prosperity and the sovereignty of my nation. So we do want a national military. We probably want, to some degree, we want some national law enforcement, I think, especially if you're getting rid of the federal government of the United States. I think you need to have a team in force that is capable of dealing with like interstate, or in this case, international crime, crime across borders, uh, crime involving mail fraud or, you know, anything, anything that is international at this point, you need to have the resources that are in place to combat that effectively. I don't know about like a UBI and nationalized healthcare and stuff. We can, you know, if we start making decisions towards that and that's where the people want to go, then okay, we can do that. Um, but that's that's not part of my like rough draft or anything. Yeah. What does your country want to do about uh, climate change? Well, we're going to first we're going to blame China. <laughs> it's worked so far, and uh, then we're going to start building our houses on stilts. <laughs> so you can have like you know a, a good five, ten, fifteen, twenty feet that. You know, you can deal with flooding and your house is still up out of the water. (laughs) I like it. So just we can't fix it. So let's adapt. Maybe Uh, maybe Ohio is not the place to be. Maybe you need to move further, like away from water. You definitely want to stay away from the coasts. Nathan, what's your nation doing about? I think probably moving in the direction that everything is obviously moving in now. Focusing on renewables. I think you can still very easily in the situation we have set up, like in a capitalist society, 
you can still go ahead and have renewable energy be your primary energy source because that's the direction we're headed in now. Mm -hmm. Like, it's cheaper to go renewable now than it is to go with traditional fossil fuels. Except for not right now, because... I yeah I I was about to did you guys that. like I don't know that that's oh true no it's, at all. it's super true in general but did you see that the price of a barrel of oil is negative hit negative negative forty dollars a barrel yesterday crazy it was like negative thirty six seventy I think does, does that mean that if I buy a barrel of oil they will give me the oil they give you money and they'll give me forty so the, the yes. thing is it 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 costs them money to store it. And so what they're hoping will happen now is that these places will take the oil and store the gasoline and they will give you money to store it for them. Well, and the real problem, the real problem is that they're dealing with a lot of these futures contracts that are expiring. And so they don't have a choice. That contract is expiring. These people, basically a lot of companies have bought up these, these, oil contracts for future oil purchases with no intention of actually buying the oil. They wanted to just resell the contract to someone else who wanted the oil. Right. And we should talk about that next week. I mean, sure. It's not that interesting, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. My nation is not going to do okay, that. Cool. Yeah. Did you guys see there uh, over by Coventry yesterday? Gas was 93 cents a gallon. I did not go out of the house yesterday. That's wild. 93 cents 93 a gallon. 93 cents a gallon. Wow, so. That we haven't seen that number since like the Let 90s. me tell you the my fa like one of my favorite movies of all time, one of my favorite Christmas movies hands down is Die Hard. <laughs> and uh the craziest like craziest thing that happens in that movie, forget about like jumping off the top of the building or blowing up the helicopter or whatever. The craziest thing is when they pan up to Nakatomi Plaza and you see the 67 cents a gallon gas price on the uh, gas station advertisement. That is the craziest thing about that movie every time. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty wild. So anyway, I don't know. I feel pretty good about this. I, we, I think it was a lot of... It was very interesting to explore how different models fit different scenarios and... I mean, obviously, these are all hypothetical, right. but um, in a larger sense, well, I think... I, I was going to save this as a surprise, guys, but congratulations. I've given you each a private island <laughs> with 100 people. They don't know what's happening. It's very exciting. We're going to revisit this episode in like two years. And and everything, uh, everybody's getting kidnapped. None of this is voluntary. Yep. None of it. None of it. <laughs> so... Wow, I... And you get an you island, and you get an island. <laughs> <laughs> you know what the one thing I would give my uh, society more than anything else? is some precious moments. Mm. Precious moments. I was going to say, like, hugs. <laughs> anyway, uh, you guys got any precious moments for this week? I do. I actually, I, I'm not, I Hit can't me. remember the exact day that this happened, but it's it, it's just been sort of... I've seen a bunch of memes come up over it, and I've gotten a lot of awful, very d sad enjoyment out of it. So I can't remember now what day it was on because all my days are blurring together. But, of course, I think everyone knows that pretty recently Bernie had dropped out of the presidential race and even endorsed Joe Biden. And I, Why I got to bring that up? This is not a precious am, moment. Oh, it this is. It's the opposite of precious moment. 
because of all the memes I've seen about it, I, one of my favorites is the Simpsons one where, you know, they're all, say, say it, uh, say it, say it, Bernie. I endorse Joe Biden for president. And they all laugh at him. And that was, that was great because um, I just, it's really, it's sad, but it's also I, the humor surrounding it is still really funny. But also I think it's interesting to, I don't know, never mind. That's it. That's it. That's all I'm going to say is I just have enjoyed a lot of the memes coming out about Bernie's endorsement of Joe Biden. Okay. So Andy's precious moment for this week is memes. <laughs> that's that's okay. That's good. That's that's about par with most of my precious moments. <laughs> Do you have a another different one for this week? Well, uh, so I would say that... It is definitely a blessing that my family has been safe and healthy through all this. So I'm going to put that as my precious moment because actually several of my family members are in like, you know, high risk categories of people. And so just being being safe and just everybody having their health is pretty great. That's so. that is an excellent one. I'm also I'm also very grateful for that. I honestly I don't know anyone personally who has gotten COVID nineteen, and so I am extraordinarily grateful for that. Like I think I mentioned earlier, I went out uh, to Target earlier, and it was like every time I go out, it is nerve wracking. But that is not my my precious moment uh, for this week. Is way less important than that, <laughs> but kind of related. So I like I like hip hop. I like 90s hip hop a lot. And I especially like Will Smith from back in the day. And I like Will Smith, but I really, really like uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff. <laughs> um, he was fantastic, incredible at spinning. And I think a lot of the reasons why people like Will Smith from back in the day are because of the beats that DJ Jazzy Jeff laid down. Well, it turned out that uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff got COVID-19 and he was describing it and said something to the uh, tune of, I called my wife, I told her I wasn't feeling well and that I was going to come down and take a rest. And that's the last thing I remembered for about 10 days. He said he lost his sense of taste. He lost his sense of smell. His wife lost her sense of taste. Their mother-in-law got incredibly sick. And but he's on the other side of it now and he's feeling better. So um, I will sometimes watch Will Smith has a um, YouTube channel and it's pretty popular because he's Will Smith. So, mm. you know, everybody's going to watch it. But he was talking to DJ Jazzy Jeff, which I get the impression sort of like they had not a falling out, but like Jeff had not been in touch with a lot of his old friends for a while. And so this has gotten them back in touch and they did a on-the-spot rap session in this last video that I'm going to put in the doobly-doo. And it was fantastic. It was so good. And so, um, I don't know. Like, Will Smith being, like, the international superstar he is now, like, seeing him, like, revisit this old, like, silly thing he used to do was kind of fun. And that's my precious moment. In the in the vein of, of musicians getting COVID-19, actually, one of my all-time favorite musicians recently died of COVID-19, John Prime. Yeah which uh, he's a country music singer. And if you know anything about me, 
you will know how significant that is for me to say that he's one of my favorite <laughs> music, musicians because I hate country music. And John Prine is a freaking god. That man is was phenomenal, and uh, that was that was really sad. That was one of the COVID nineteen celebrity deaths that hit me. Yeah, I I enjoy his stuff mm -hmm. very much as well, and he's got like he's got this comical sort mm -hmm. of style of lyrics that was kind of kind of unique like his his own sort of voice in he was the serious music but not scene. too serious just what a amazing man and musician <laughs> so he will be missed can i can i just say i was i had seen that he died and i was like wow i i don't know that guy and i pulled him up and was like damn this this sounds great i wish i had known about yeah, him you, like so I am definitely like a fair weather fan or like a, I forget what you call it when somebody becomes a fan after the fact. Uh, yeah, I'm a postmortem fan of it is. But like the thing to remember about John Prine is he wasn't just he did his own music, but he wrote for other people a lot, too. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of songs that you probably know, he wrote for Bonnie Raitt, for example, you know. Well, he he did write for other artists, but also oh, so many of his songs were just covered. By, by yeah, other artists in absolutely. general. He was a very, very often redone artist. So you probably know a ton of John Prime and songs, I, I, listeners. With and the, we'll throw yeah. a, we'll throw a couple of Andy's favorite uh, sure. John Prime Pat, songs Pat's in Doobly Doo. I bet I bet you have heard. Yeah, I bet you ha you have heard of like Illegal Smile or um, uh, what's it called? Par Paradise um, by the Dashboard uh, Light. That's Meatloaf. Yeah, meatloaf is great, also. But uh, anyway, there's there's a, a a whole swath of John Prine songs that you probably know, but performed by different artists. So, we'll so. we'll throw some stuff in the doobly doo. Yeah. Anyway, guys, if yep. I don't say it enough, uh, I I appreciate you, and uh, I'm always happy to do this with you. Yeah, and uh, you know, I hope we we gave everybody kind of something to to think about. Yeah, and I I hope I come up with a catchphrase. Okay, I love you, bye. Bye. Thanks for coming. You know, I hope you come up with a catchphrase, too, you know. You interrupted my bye. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, yeah. We let the ending of this go on way too long. <laughs> you guys should really stop interrupting. I don't know. Yeah, what are you guys doing? Did I ever tell you guys that I can extend the beat out for as long as I want of our uh, outro song? Yeah, just loop it. So you can just loop it, <laughs> like to get all of this. We could even we could even still be on the ups. Yeah, oh, we could we still be we on the ups right now. So, um, so well, hey, this, folks, is, this is stay tuned for a big episode coming up soon about healthcare. We really, really got into it so much so that we couldn't cram it all into just one episode. So watch for a couple drops coming up. Oh, and also, you know, I really, uh, I think it's really important to to all of us to interact with you guys, our audience. So um, reach out to us on Facebook, on, on Twitter, uh, on Reddit. You know, talk to us about what you heard, if there's anything that you like that you want to respond to, stuff that you didn't like. Even if you if you think that we got a fact wrong and you wanna you wanna check us on something, let us know. Um, that's what we're all about is is getting the real poop out to you guys. Right. Feel free. Um, definitely make sure to ignore all of Andy's <laughs> posts on Craigslist. Those things can get dirty. 
But don't ignore them if that's what you're into. But I'm gonna cut out all also, this stuff. This isn't okay. Also, I uh, should I not go? I'm on joking. Then? Just keep going. What are you okay. doing? Uh, the other thing I I wanted to say was more that you know we love doing this podcast. I I, I think I can speak for both of you guys. <laughs> I hope I can. Uh, we have a lot of fun. We do this mostly for fun. Um, but it's I'm just in it for the money. Yeah, you guys. It's not like free, right? And so, you know, we we love doing this, and we we love that there's people who who like listening to us ramble about stuff. If it's within your means, you please consider donating or signing up on our Patreon uh, to donate maybe a dollar an episode or something. Every little bit really really counts. It makes it means a lot to us. It means a lot to us that you're even listening right. to this, let alone possibly thinking about helping out. If you don't have any expendable income, we would welcome any sort of extra help. Like if you feel like we might have gotten a, a detail wrong, well, honestly, go look it honestly, up at and, this point, and fact check us. Um, you know, we we do a right. lot of work. Honestly, at this point, we can't quite I mean, do we, everything. We would appreciate so this more than you possibly imagine. But honestly, like even... If you, like, we're not trying to make you stretch your budget if that's not a thing that's possible, especially nowadays. But you know what would matter a ton to us is right. just, like Andy was saying, get in touch with us. That That is, like, arguably even more valuable to us. I mean, no, money well, is, or is very valuable. Get, but, like, getting in touch with us and, like, letting us know what you think of the episodes would be fantastic. Or, um, you know, if, if also, again, something else you can do if you don't have any money to give us, um, which we totally understand because we barely have any money to give us. <laughs> but something else that you could do for, for free is to tell a friend about us or share us on share our episode on your Facebook or, or Instagram or, or Twitter or Reddit. Um, let other people know about us and... That would also go a long way to, to helping support this podcast. So, again, I, I really want to be very, very clear that I don't want you to give us money that you need to spend on yourself. Um, <laughs> we love all of you as listeners, and we want you to – we think that you like us, and so, you know, we're just asking, I guess, if there's any way that you can help support the podcast, either financially or otherwise – we would right. really appreciate that. Oh, but it's uh, it's not free. This podcast isn't no. free. I mean, it's a download. It is. Oh, okay. All right, cool. Right. So it's not free for us to produce. Uh, we, I'm currently paying thirty thousand dollars a month to our uh, podcast um, host. So that's a little. It's a little rough. It's a little tight yeah. on the pocketbook. Uh, but. but fortunately, since each of us are Jeff Bezos, uh, multi-billionaires. That's me. All right, I, I, bye, bye, guys. <laughs> anyway, all right. So Nathan's got a lot to like sift through there. <laughs> all right, love you. Bye. Uh, catchphrase stuff. Bye. Uh, thinking. Somebody get the hook. Yar. All right, bye. Uh, I want to be clear. I'm going to stretch out the theme song for like the last five minutes of that podcast. Mm. <laughs> it's just going to keep on going. Oh going, mm, so and going, good. And going. Oh my God.